Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina, and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with Yin No, the CEO of Penny Chain, and is now pivoting into a new business called Iconic, a platform letting you purchase fractionalized assets and alternative investments. In 2021, Accelerate Her and Google named Yin as one of the UK's top 50 inspiring women in tech, which was announced in the Financial Times. In this list, she's one of the youngest winners and the first winner in history for Myanmar. So in this episode, we spoke about her journey of three different startups and how she got into Iconic right now, and also how she managed to create massive interest for her businesses and speaking to the right people without actually having a working prototype, highlighting the power of a good story and great visual mock-ups to show. And lastly, as someone who takes pride in pivoting into different businesses, we spoke about when is actually the right time to stop what you're doing and pivot into a different business. There is a ton of value in this episode and as someone who's found success in loads of different businesses, I know her story will be massively useful for a lot of you guys wanting to start a business because her journey kind of highlights how you can do a lot of cool things and actually you know, show a lot of progress without actually having a huge budget, which is what she's done. Just having the visual mock-ups and a great team, great story, a lot of different things that you don't need a large budget for. Before we jump into the episode, it'll be amazing if you leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. You can also listen to the full video episode on YouTube where you can see our lovely little faces. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, Ian, how are you? Hi, Sina. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me here. It's my pleasure to have you on the podcast. And it's been a while like recording for me, to be fair, because I was on holiday. Not that people would know because I still have like episodes out, but... Yeah, it's been a while for me. I've got a slight cold, but it's all right. Like still going ahead with the recordings. But it's really exciting to have you on the podcast because I know we've been like similar circles before and like, yeah, just very excited mm. to have you on to talk about everything that you're doing. And you have a very like different background, like doing multiple different things. And I think it'd be great to hear about your background, like how you've gone to where you are right now. Yeah, so um, I basically ha- had a passion for website design, graphic design since I was very young. Um, and that kind of sort of started just from like, you know, creating websites w- with friends from a website called Pixo, kind of b- online blogging a bit. Um, but kind of in turn, it got me into learning about HTML and CSS and PHP um, when I was about like 12 years old. Um, and I think like I kind of felt that I would go down the, the medicine path, um, sort of like my family sort of like from that area. But then after sort of looking into it and also um, like in high school, being really inspired by one of my teachers um, who pushed me to choose computer science as one of my degrees, um, that kind of sort of started my path um, to to tech. So I went to um, University of St. Andrews to for computer science. Um, was a great four years, uh, learned so much, but I felt there was something missing when it comes to sort of business side of things, learning about how to become an entrepreneur, which is something that I always aspired to be. Um, I was sort of specializing in human computer interaction during my dissertation um, at St. Andrews. And I had an idea to create some sort of revolutionary tool to make the use of computers more efficient. And that sort of was my personal statement when I applied to Imperial for my master's. So I applied for the innovation entrepreneurship management course, um, came to London for my master's and um, sort of, um, you know, thought that this master's would teach me how to become an entrepreneur in maybe five, 10 years, uh, but not knowing how entrepreneurial and um, how, how resourceful Imperial was when it came to pushing people to start new businesses straight out of uni. Um, had an idea in first semester um, and that's sort of where 
the, the first nugget of entrepreneurship kind of began. Mm. So, yeah. so that, like, yeah, talk, talk to me about that. So that's where it started, I guess, is like your first taste of entrepreneurship is that first business that I guess got a few accolades and then it kind of went, went to the next step and like where you are now. So how did, how did it? Yeah. So it started off as sort of trying to kill two birds with one stone where um, firstly, every project in Imperial uh, Business School was group-based. So I was super lucky with my team. We were a very awesome team. We were, I was the computer scientist. There was an electrical engineer, a chemical engineer, a mechanical engineer, and a psychologist. So we were like a super strong team. And um, we all had a passion for sustainability. And that was sort of the topic that we wanted to have um, underlying. Um, and based on one of um, the mechanical engineer's dissertations, uh, which was about waste management and how we can turn something that people view nasty and gross and useless and turn into something more. And that was where Coelection was born in first semester. So um, our idea was that we took used cooking oil specifically from households and turned it into biodiesel. So why households? Because actually, if even if you're the smallest fish and chip shop in the UK, you have to give your oil. Um, you can't throw it down the drain and they actually pay you for you to give your oil. So this is actually like a commodity. Like it's, it's, it's actually some people that they don't know that they could turn their fried food into actual um, resourceful materials. So that's really interesting. And then, so what happened to that business eventually? Yeah. So we um, ran it, took it to different modules. Um, so got like some good grades, whilst also building a business at the same time. Um, apply, um, got into applied to so many different competitions. Got rejected by so many until we got into Imperial Business Pitch, um, which were we're competing against um, Imperial College London, Imperial College Business School. So like PhDs, MBAs, Masters at the time. And um, it was a one month like kind of coaching training course. And then there was like the final competition. And fortunately, we won first place, uh, which was such a huge validation for us. And that's why we were like, hey, we could turn this like school project that we thought was just like, like a small thing into something more. And that's where, um, you know, we were on the cusp of like, I was interning at like a venture capital firm at the time. And I tried it out for a while, but I kind of just knew that I wanted to become an entrepreneur like right there and then. Um, also at the time, visa wise as well, um, had to sort that out, did not want to leave the UK and, um, basically got sponsored by Imperial to work on this startup, um, for the, like, for, for two years. What was the sort of like, I guess, driving factor? So you were in VC and like, I guess like, what was the driving factor for you to say like, yeah, entrepreneurship is for me. Cause I guess like you were still fairly young at that mm -hmm. point. Like, I'm new, I'm still young now. Like it's, but what was this, what was the sort of like turning mm -hmm. point? like what, what made you want to go into that direction i think um <laughs> I, I guess truthfully told i guess i like being a leader myself um i think now that i've been startups for a while i don't know if i could go back to working in corporate again uh just because like i think it's very different when when you know when you run things by yourself you have your own vision it's sort of like your power you make your own hours you put in as much work and it's like your baby that you're growing whereas when you're working on for someone else it's not as like motivating. And I think at the time, the the, the industry that, that I was in, um, this specific um, firm, I it was interesting, but not interesting enough for me to pursue this long term. And um, I just sort of like yearned to kind of like go back to being back in the competition phase where I was like working on core election every single day, um, grinding, talking to customers. Like it was super exciting for that. But then going back to like nine to five corporate, it was just yeah not, not not the one for me yeah i mean we've, i've spoken to this about this on the podcast like multiple times and also other podcasts as well like i think nine to five is obviously very very good and if you if mm -hmm. you find happiness from nine to five then you've completed it like you you won a life that's that's the end goal of, of what everyone's trying to do is to find happiness and if you find it through that then 
like well done but like obviously not everyone's built that way so the reason why i'm the same as you like i it's not for me the the whole like oh yeah working for someone else that's not what it is it's more the fact of i don't like it when there's like overimposing rules like what corporate does like it's just like loads yeah. of rules for the sake of having rules and it's just like this is the way that we've done things for multiple years so this is the way we're going to do things now and it's like i i don't i hate that sort of environment and i think that's what entrepreneurship and startups offer you and I think that's why this podcast like I said, has done so well. And there's so many people listening to it and so many guests mm. that I've got on it is because young people right now, that's, that's what they love to do is like, they don't, they really thrive off the impact. 100% agreed. Um, I think knowing that, you know, whatever you've given 110%, like it does come back towards yeah. you. Whereas when you give it to another company, it benefits other people, not really <laughs> yourself. And of course, it's also you being able to work on your passion, like what you really like. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's very fun. And growing anything from ground up is, is always a very exciting and it's scary, but exciting. So you got addicted to that feeling of like growing something by yourself. And so what was the next step after after your first startup? So I think like COVID hit, mm -hmm. as you said, I guess like, what was the next step? Yeah, so essentially we wanted to uh, install sort of like drop-off points for people to put their used cooking oil. Um, so we had like, you know, some some things in place with schools uh, with commercial buildings however COVID happened nobody was going to school nobody was going to work um, and sort of kind of operations kind of halted um, I'm on a visa here and you know I also felt that like I had to do something um, just because something stopped I wanted to see so I kind of delved back and sort of like what is like my current problem that I faced and going back to being being a first-time founder I was like I did not like financial modeling keeping up with accounting softwares was such a pain. Um, I had to, you know, I basically just had to pay an accountant to handle everything for me because yeah. I just did not want to do it. And a lot of SMEs say the same because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, bankers, consultants were the ones to start businesses. But nowadays it's engineers, it's content creators, it's, you know, the average Joe. And they don't ha like, they don't have any financial training in hand. Uh, like most people don't. So I wanted to create kind of like a digital CFO where SMEs at the beginning can have someone that kind of like can support them, um, have a platform where they can connect their accounting softwares um, and their bank account and have all their needs right in front of them. Because when I worked in VC, there were so many businesses that mostly like they, they died because they didn't raise in time. They ran out of money. And if they had known, like if, if they saw their runway really clearly or their burn rate and sort of tackled that and see all their expenses, um, all their reoccurring expenses in one place, you know, that could be a way for them to kind of survive a bit longer um, or survive. Yeah. So how did you start that? I mean, I guess because given that you've got a computer science background, was it just like you mm. developing all these things by yourself at, at one point? Yeah. So I had a really great co-founder who was also technical too. Uh, it's funny because I I was the one with the computer science degree. He was the one with the economics degree, but we both kind of switched. So he was the CTO and I was the CEO. Um, but we both um, know how to code. We both know how to build. So I, I built mobile apps before. And so we basically, um, you know, started building like the pitch deck, the mock-ups, everything together. Um, and um, after about maybe six, seven months, when we felt there was kind of overwhelming to kind of like keep up with all the new features, we hired two two developers so we that we can have the business operations but yeah it's it's always super useful having someone um that has a technical side too uh it helps a lot <laughs> yeah i completely agree i completely agree so i guess like what what was the that did that startup like scratch that itch of like starting something new because i, I guess you weren't doing it for university at that mm. point you're doing it for yourself yeah i think also coming from like sustainability clean tech 
to fintech, oof, that was such a huge difference. Like the amount of like interest, like especially when we're B two B SaaS fintech, like that's like you know music to VCs ears. <laughs> so when it came to like talking to a lot of people, there were a lot of people that were really interested, um, and especially like with SMEs, like SMEs is such an underserved market. There's so many problems that they face. So there were so many issues. Like it, it came to a point where every customer interview we had like 30 features that people wanted that people wanted we were like oh my god this is super impossible um to to create all 30 so um it was just like a lot of information all at once which was like a new world for me because like clean tech sustainability it's a bit more niche um oil you know use cooking oil it was a very niche kind of like target audience like everything was just like blown up to like times 100 (laughs) so yeah so how did you handle that like i guess i guess like it's a very different business in itself, right? Like it's massively mm. different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, so we basically also went back um, to our imperial roots, um, essentially applied for different competitions um, so that we could get our first round of funding. I think it's so amazing how much, how much supportive imperial has been to my startup career. I think what it was not for that jumpstart fundraising, I think. Um, and also, once you win something, that exposure that comes with it, like it's, it's incredible. So thanks to Imperial, um, we got support, we got coaching, you know, um, for the Venture Catalyst Challenge, which is Imperial's biggest competition. Uh, we won the digital and fintech track um, and um, got our first round of funding from that. Then because of that, we got put in front of like different other accelerators and other VCs who wanted to sort of provide support, a lot of angels. We actually, one of our um, angels at the time, uh, we met him as one of the judges for Venture Cattle Challenge. And he was like um, the head of FinTech at Visa, which is like such a synergy. Like, and we met him thanks to, the, thanks to Imperial. So after that, we applied to um, uh, FinTech Innovation Lab, which is part of uh, Accenture. And we applied last year got rejected we were such a baby company like we were like a month old <laughs> and then thanks to um getting that fr- first round of funding and um and sort of validating our, our market uh we we were like the youngest company um to be part of the cohort and uh yeah that also helped us a lot it was an incredible experience we essentially this fintech innovation lab it puts us in front of all the major banks um and allows you to sort of pitch your ideas to them we were too early stage unfortunately so we didn't get to utilize accelerated to its fullest but we met so many incredible people was this with was this with penny this is with penny chain savium savium so savium, this like, is the what, first what the name, the name uh, sorry before. the second idea yeah. yeah yeah so like that that's that's extraordinary and like at that point as well you didn't did you ha- you didn't have like paying customers or anything you it was it was the idea and like like initial sort of i guess uh, do you have any like traction at that point? Yeah, so we were just validating it. Um, we were also waiting for a banking license um, as well because in order to, uh, we couldn't charge anybody um, because we need to have uh, our FCA license in place. So it was just whilst we were waiting for that, uh, building the uh, platform, we were just doing lots of lots of customer validation, um, understanding like how can we find our beachhead um, and and things like that, and and also cutting down the list of thirty features and. Uh, <laughs> coming up with like five most important ones so like how did you pitch that i guess savium at the point where you you were just like validating everything and you were waiting for the, the license but you still managed mm-hmm. to sort of get like interest from like fintech at visa and like other mm-hmm. sort of like big angels like is there a different pitching style when you're pitching that compared to say like uh the sustainability company mm-hmm. where you already had like contracts in place mm-hmm. i i do think that when it comes to sort of like b2b SaaS or or any sort of like um sort of SaaS um fintech side of things what you just need is 
at least like a, a, a semi-decent looking mock-up for you to show your vision. Um, understanding the markets really, really well. Having sort of telling other people, I've spoken to this many people, I've done this many interviews. And I think that was just enough for us to be in front of people because people know that we've done our research. We're um, also, how does our experience relate? Like, why are we the ones to build the startup? And I think the team is actually one of the most important aspects of it. So as long as like, you know, you show like a strong team that makes sense, um, you have a rough mock-up in mind um, and, and all these things, it pretty much, no matter what industry, like you can get, be in front of anyone that's really really interesting because i think people especially young people are like i need to get this so much traction before i can get in front of these certain people and then even be considered for investment let alone like Mm -hmm. be in in the room right so like but then you're saying yeah as long as like the team is good the pitch is good you've got decent mock-ups you've got like decent research statistics and stuff like that with enough sort of i guess connections hard work networking you can get into those sort of rooms yeah hundred percent. Um, and it's sort of having the confidence, like, you know, I'm building this, I'm the best person to build this right now. And, um, no one else is, I understand it a lot more just proving that to people. It's kind of like just a psychology game really, where you have to kind of show that, you know, um, just because you don't have an IP or you don't have like, um, like a full app that's been launched, like you just have to be like confident about it. And, and, and that's enough to get in front of the door. Yeah, so you got in the front of the door, like you got in the door with quite a, like a lot of people, right? You said like fintech and visa. How much money did you like raise? I guess like to give people an idea with that sort of like pitch deck, with that sort of like at that stage that you were at. Yeah, so um, prior to TechStars, all we raised was just from that from from Imperial's funding. So that was ten k, like that was it, pretty much. Um, and then we pretty much bootstrapped a lot <laughs> throughout that stage. Um, us as founders, we weren't getting a salary, uh, but we just tried to like, you know, um, just try to like make <laughs> make ends meet, um, have other projects on the side that we try to like get some side income and stuff like that. So um, you don't really need a lot to jumpstart. Um, you just sort of, yeah, like I mentioned, just sort of talking to people, the more you talk to customers, the more you also understand how to like quicker you'll pivot as well because we pivoted a lot until we got into Savium (laughs) um and uh yeah I I would quite like to ask you about this Yin because you so I think you're what you've really expressed is like the the strength that I can see from your journey is the strength to be able to say like I want to move on to the next thing and pivot and then put your all into that and I guess like Mm -hmm. saying saying like I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this other thing or I feel like that's a big strength that's very underrated in like what young people are doing. So I guess what is the what is the secret of like pivoting more like from a personal standpoint of like I guess moving on from from mm-hmm. something that you're doing? Yeah. So I think failing fast is one motto that I have where it's like I want to just validate it. And if it's some things are not sticking too well and the market's not right, like you know, being an entrepreneur, like you're supporting yourself like there's no one else that's paying you you kind of just don't really have like the like the freedom to kind of just like waste time on an idea for like a year (laughs) so i think also going to tech stars that really taught me a lot where you can actually find out like the answers like pretty pretty quickly rather than you know wasting like half a year on it and i think now with with this new idea that that we're having um you know started it like three weeks ago and now we're trying to see a new market um hire people to put out flyers around, um, advertise there and just under, and we've been getting a lot of good responses. And I think if, if, if I don't get a, a good response, then I just know that, you know, mm, something's not quite right 
maybe not the right timing, not the right idea, not the enough, enough people interested in it. And just sort of just move on from there and just sort of see, delve, like dive deep. And these customer interviews, they actually bring out so much. Um, and I think thanks to these customer interviews, I got to know my next idea because someone was like, wait, but this is not my problem, but this is. Pivoting is something that's talked about massively within a business. So pivoting into a different sort of business model, pivoting to a different customer base. However, Yin shows an amazing sort of story around how she pivoted to different, a different business entirely, uh, more of a personal standpoint. And I really want to ask her, what is the point in time when you know when to pivot? It's a very difficult point in time because on the one hand, you have very like, many successful entrepreneurs saying, um, and also many of the like, toxic, I would say, like social media pages saying you should never give up. And, you know, I agree with a lot of that. But on the other hand, you have the reality that things aren't working. Maybe the customer base isn't big enough or the problem that you're like trying to solve isn't actually that big. So there's a multitude of reasons. But I wanted to ask Yin, when is the point in time when you think, you know, you should stop what you're doing and move on to something else? Especially because her businesses that she was running before were winning a lot of accolades, winning a lot of awards, getting good progress. And so it's especially relevant with, with Yin's story. Um, it's a mixture of factors. So um, one is that, you know, you yourself have to understand that this new idea makes sense, makes even more sense to you than the previous idea. You're just like, okay, like, wait, this, this makes sense. I think with all the businesses that I've run, I've always made it that is in my problem as well. And um, so, for example, with, with, with the oil thing, I, I, I have an Asian family. We cook a lot. We fry a lot of things and I, and I would have problems with clogged pipes, for example. Second thing with Savium, I hated financial modeling. I hated looking at, at zero QuickBooks. I wanted to create something for myself. And with, with this new idea, with, well, with, with Penny Chain as well, um, I wanted to get to crypto, but uh, didn't know I was too scared to and felt like it was too risky. Spare change, that kind of element. Kind of like that's one element where you kind of um, have the understanding. Secondly, market signals, right? So is it a good time now? Like, do the people that um, that you know you've been speaking to do they get the idea um, and do they will that solve their you know current problems and and needs um, and yeah and the third thing I guess timing as well looking into you know um, whether there's other com competitors now what are they doing well and what are they not doing well that they're missing out on and I think it's just a mixture of things and when these sort of puzzle pieces come into place you kind of have to be quite quick with it like you have to push yourself to like sit down and like have like a really you know strong brainstorming session to figure out whether you want to move um, and I think if it feels right that's that's when you'll know like you'll know in your gut that it's time to move on from the old idea because I, I always knew when I was kind of when the last idea was kind of fizzling out I was like hmm you know, maybe it's time to like look into something else. But the experience from Penny Chain, I guess, like motivates you to move on to this new business that you're launching like fairly soon mm -hmm. um, called Iconic. Yeah. So like what what gave you the idea for that? Yeah. So going back into my principle where like, you know, investing is such an important thing um, for a lot of people to get, you know, for how rich people get rich. They don't work harder. <laughs> they don't work longer hours. They basically diversify their portfolio and put it into, you know, different um, alternative assets or um, like normal assets. And they let their money grow while they sleep. For a lot of people, it takes a long time for them to realize that. And by the time that they're maybe 30 or, or older, they're just like, oh, crap, why didn't I just start investing when I was like 18 or 20 or younger, you know? So I think um, our idea caters towards more towards like Gen Z and millennials. Um, and we want to see like what gets them ticking. What would get me ticking? Like. I love, you know, um, I love jewelry. I love fashion. Um, and, you know, for example, an Hermes Birkin bag 
it appreciates 14% every year compared to the S&P, which is 8%. Like it's actually, you know, long-term investing in a Patechnotilis, um, you can actually get more your returns than, than, you know, most stocks in crypto. And um, especially with luxury and, and these physical assets, uh, people can understand it because it's like actually right in front of their face. Um, they see like the worth of it, um, the hype, um, sort of like going into like the cloud of it and, and stuff like that. Um, and that's the idea where we want to make it more accessible. People cannot afford to pay half a million on like, you know, some rare collectible Pokemon card or some vintage wine. So we want to sort of kind of, you know, democratize that and, and make it more accessible. And that was the idea mm. behind Iconic. So how did you start like a brand like that? Given the the technical, like I'm in the Web3 space as well, given the technical sort of like infrastructure you need to build like how do you start that sort of thing mm -hmm. and i know i think i know the answer is like don't build the all the tech immediately like start out for sure <laughs> like so what, what's the what like what do you think about that honestly like you don't even need to worry too much about tech we haven't started building anything yet um all we did was we went on figma um got, like created a mock-up template um and uh, as long as you know you can show your vision visually like your app can change like let's say if you start building everything now and then like someone your your customer say like we actually don't want this feature that you just wasted money and, and resource building this so it, it's honestly enough even just like a sketch on paper of course when you bring it to, to investors and other people but something more sophisticated like figma um or other sort of like prototype apps can really go a long way and you don't need technical knowledge for that you just need like somewhat decent like design um like I, or you just ask your friends if that looks decent enough. And, um, and, and you can, there's tons of templates online as well. So nothing needs to be so difficult. And the more you, like, if you're not embarrassed by your first mock-up, then you're, then you're working too hard on it and you're working too, too long on it. So I think yeah. from this conversation, I will we'll wrap up for a minute, but like the, the biggest point I've got from this conversation with you is how far something like, um, uh, how far a mock-up can go with like a strong team, strong presenter, strong idea. And mm -hmm. you can get to that next stage. Like that's that from what I've spoken to you, like it seems like that, even though you pivoted in different directions, it seems like that sort of theme is run really thick with like everything that you're doing. 100%. It's, you know, honestly sales at the end of the day, when it comes to talking to accelerators, VCs, um, angels, it's like, you're just selling your vision, right? And um, a vision enough is just, you know, your voice and some sort of backup images to sort of validate um, your idea because people will see your potential. Um, and that is more than enough. So I think that's an amazing piece of advice for people listening is like, you don't need to build all the infrastructure, even if it's a really complicated idea, like anything in the web three at the moment, you don't need to build like your own blockchain or anything like that. You don't need to do it. Mm -hmm. All you need is like a mock-up and that will get a strong idea, strong, like you need to do a little research, customer surveys, like all that type of thing in order yeah. to be able to go mm -hmm. to that next stage of like raising some investment from from angels or vcs because then you can actually get to a stage where you can build technology to to implement so yeah i, I love that message that you're, that you're spreading um yeah we have to wrap up the podcast there it was such a pleasure having you on the the episode it was so nice thank you so How much can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing yeah so if, if any you know i'm super happy to help out if anyone has any sort of founder troubles or wanting to talk about entrepreneurship. I'm really passionate about it. So you can always re reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, if you are interested in the idea of Iconic, you can go on geticonic.xyz and sign up for the waitlist. So yeah, thank you so much, Sina. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll chat very soon. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, it would be amazing if you could leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. You can listen and watch the full video episodes on there. If you do not follow us on Instagram, then please do because that's where all the previews, all the value posts and all that. A lot of inspiration gets posted there. And yeah, thank you so much for listening again and I'll catch you in the next one.